Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Yeah. I welcome all of you again to the grand finale of the Family Month 2021. It's our last of preaching, but we still have our last Sunday next week. Amen. So you're not leaving here the same way you came in today. If you receive it, say amen, and so shall it be. In Jesus' name, our Father and our God, we just bless your name. Awesome God. Father, you are indeed awesome. Awesome, awesome. Abba, Father, we worship you. We just want to thank you, Lord. You've been with us. You've been helping us. You've been strengthening us. You've been blessing us from the beginning of this family month. And you're still doing it. Thank you for all you've been doing today. Our Father, we commit this special minute, this special hour into your hand. We trust you, O oh God, to accomplish that which you've purposed for each and every one of us here today. Both those of them in the basement, those of them worshiping with us online, people present here, Father, people that will yet listen to this message. Let your purpose for it be accomplished. And we we'll give you all the glory, we we'll return all the praise to you. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Praise the Lord. I welcome you too. Those of you watch, worshiping with us online, I say welcome. Amen. Our topic today is beauty, the beauty of obe obedience. The beauty of obedience. That's our topic. Amen. So I'm going to read. Genesis 22, from 15 to 18. But the catch for us is verse 18. And through your descendants, all the nations of the earth will be blessed, all because you have obeyed me. So I read from the beginning of my, the text, Genesis 22, 15. It says, then the angel of the Lord called again to Abraham from heaven. This is what the Lord says. Because you have obeyed me and have not withheld even your son, your only son, I swear by my own name that I will certainly bless you. I will multiply your descendants beyond number like the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore. Your descendants will conquer the cities of their enemies. And through your descendants, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. Why? All because you have obeyed me. Amen? Amen. Obedience attracts the favor of God. Obedience attracts the blessings of God. Obedience attracts the favor, the mercies of God. His blessings upon your life. When you obey God, he blesses you. Amen? Go through the passages of the Bible. Wherever you see God say something and people obey, what comes after it? Blessing. He says, if you are willing and obedient, you will eat the fruit of the land. There is an if. Praise the Lord. Obedient positions us 
for divine inheritance, just like Abraham's case. You know, C.S. Lewis, Lewis, as I was reading, he says, it is the key that opens every door. And it is true. Praise the Lord. As we read scriptures, you will see that this is actually a fact. And you're here today. We're going to talk about you, about me. How are we doing in all that God has committed into our hands? Especially your marriage. You know, God is just awesome. Every day, me and my husband, when we do our devotion times, our Bible study times, I keep saying, this is not what it should be. This is not how it should be. This is not what marriage is supposed to be like. There's something that is missing. And every time I come to that um, 1 Corinthians 13, something keeps pushing me. I keep going back. I love that passage. I don't know why it draws my attention, but eventually when I got this topic, I said, okay, maybe that is why. Praise the Lord. So Genesis 3, 4 to 6. He says, but the serpent said to the woman, you certainly will not die. For God knows that on the day you eat from it, your eyes will be opened. That is, you will have greater awareness and you will be like God, knowing the difference between good and evil. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was delightful to look at and the tree to be desired in order to make one wise and insightful, she took some of its fruits and ate it. And she also gave some to her husband with her. And he ate. Praise the Lord. We see how the sin crept into the life of every human being. Started from somebody. God says, do not eat of this particular one. But the devil deceived them. What they already are, he's trying to get them to be what they already are. He still plays the same trick today with us. Praise the Lord. You ask me how, I'll tell you. Let's read Deuteronomy 28, verse 1 to 2. He says, Now it shall be, if you diligently listen to and obey the voice of the Lord your God, being careful to do all his commandments, which I am commanding you today, the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the earth. All these blessings will come upon you and overtake you if you pay attention to the voice of the Lord your God. Then he goes down to 15 and he says, And it shall come about if you do not listen to obey the voice of the Lord your God, being careful to do all his commandments and his statutes, which I am commanding you today. Then all these causes will come upon you and overtake you. I know what I'm talking about. Don't worry. Some people are saying, but this is the law. Exactly. That was the requirement of the law. You do, you get. You obey, you are blessed. And it kept on. They depended, they were depending on their performance, okay, to get the blessings of God. But our own error is the error of grace. Praise the Lord. We are not subject to that. We don't operate under the law. Our case is a different case. A case of grace. Jesus brought us grace. Let me read Romans 5, 12. He says, For just as by one man's disobedience, failing to hear, heedlessness and carelessness, the many were constituted. They were made sinners by one man. One man's disobedience. 
the many will be also constituted righteous, made acceptable to God, brought into right standing with one man. Praise the Lord with him. So you see, Adam sold over, handed over everything to Satan. But when Jesus came, because he obeyed, he obeyed to the latter, he fulfilled the entire requirement of the law. Jesus now turned it. That's a flip. Now we no longer perform so that we can be blessed. It's already a done deal. We received grace, unmerited favor through Christ. He fulfilled the entire requirements of the law. And then grace gave us all the blessings of those Deuteronomy 28. Every single blessing. Grace did what? Gave it to us. Say amen. Praise the Lord. We need to understand this obedience that we're talking about. Obedience to the faith. Where grace is concerned. Where we're talking about grace. We, we, we need to receive by faith whatever grace has already made available. Because whatever you ever need, grace made it available. You don't have to ask. You don't have to beg. You don't have to plead. Grace made everything available to you. All you need to do is to believe and to receive. Agree with him. Two cannot work together except they agreed. Agree, believe it, receive all that grace has made available and then have the manifestation. Second Peter 1.3 says, everything we could ever need for life and godliness has already been deposited in us by his divine power. For all this was lavished upon us through the rich experience of knowing him who has called us by name and invited us to come to him through a glorious manifestation of his goodness. The grace of God has made available everything that pertains to life and godliness unto us. Everything, whatsoever, whatever it is, be it deliverance, forgiveness, healing, prosperity, whatever it is, grace has made it available. Amen. Satan cannot deceive you again. We not let him play that trick he played on Adam and Eve by making us to beg and pray and fast. No, grace has already made everything you ever need available to you. Under the law, it's about doing something to get something. You do this, God will give you that. But under grace, the grace of God is about what he has already done. Praise the Lord. All we need to do, like I said, is to believe and to receive. Agree with God. Agree with what grace has already made available and have the manifestation. We need to learn how to operate on this grace, operate our lives based on the requirements of living under the covenant of grace. We need to know how to live, apply it, apply it, and live under it. Praise God. So today we're talking, we're not talking about the law, commandments. That's what all this whole talk is all about. We're talking about obeying God's word. Praise the Lord. Obeying the word of your father. And we said that Jesus, God rewards our obedience. James 1.22 said, but, it be, but be doers of the word. Obey the message and not merely listeners to it. Betraying yourselves into deception by reasoning contrary to the truth. That's what some of us do. 
we reason and reason. Some people do not even, I know a man who doesn't even think about grace at all as being real. He said, am I saying that somebody will sin? And at the end of the day, he rushes to God, then God forgives him. He continues as if nothing happens. Some of us want to be better than God. You cannot improve on God. Nobody can improve on him. But that's what he was trying to do. He said he will never accept it. We're giving people the license to sin. No, grace teaches us not to sin. Amen? For if anyone only listens to the word without obeying it and being a doer of it, he is like a man who looks carefully at his own natural face in a mirror. For he thoughtfully observes himself and then goes off and probably forgets what he was like. Some people do that. No matter what the word of God says, it doesn't touch them. They will go back and still continue what they are doing as if nothing happened. How would you like it when your child, you call your child, you, admon you just give them some advice, and this what you did is wrong, admonishing them. This is what you should do. This is the right way. They turn back and they continue what they are doing. How does it look? That's what we do with God. People who don't treat the word of God as if he's actually talking to them. He said, but he who looks carefully into the faultless law, the law of liberty, and is faithful to it, and perseveres in looking into it, be not a heedless listener that doesn't give heed, who forgets, but an active doer, an active doer, active doer, you're always doing it. Has God said it? I'll do it. Just like we go sword. Is it in the word of God? Is it there? You say yes. Boom. That's it for him. It should settle matters for us. I remember one of our women's conference, the theme was, if God has God said it, that settles it. Something like that. If God says it, it is settled. Yeah, the word of God should settle whatever thing you have, you're thinking about. The word of God, what God says about it should settle it. Amen. You want to be like the people that will listen to that word and not heedless hearers, but one who obeys and the Bible says, you shall be blessed in doing, in your doing, your life of obedience. Amen. Praise the Lord. That was, that's what it is. Time has come for us to be doers of the word. So we can be blessed and favored by God. That's what obedience, what it gives you, keeps you, you know, just positions you how to be blessed. Activating the blessings of God. You want to be those people that are not like those ones that look at the mirror and go back again. We need to be obedient. Obedience is the proof of our love for God. We'll see that as we go on. The only way to become more like Jesus is by obeying what God has says. How else can you say you love God if you're not even obeying his simple instructions about how to live a godly life? We must choose to be the doers of the word. So that transformation will come when we become the active doers. So that our attitudes, the way we act, our words, our actions, our choices, our decisions, our lifestyle should all indicate that the word of God lives in us. Amen. Obedience brings blessings. Attracts the favor of God, the blessings of God. You know the story of Simon Peter, Luke 5, 
4 to 6. Simon Peter, when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, that's when the Lord finished spoken, speaking, he said to Simon, now go out where it is deeper and lay down your nets to catch some fish. They had toiled all night. They caught nothing. And then here comes the Lord. He says, go out deep down. Throw them deep down. Simon says, Master, we walked hard all, li- all, all last night and didn't catch a thing. But if you say so, I will let the nets down again. I will let the nets down again if you say so. And then this time around, what happened? Their nets were so full of fish that they began to tear. Think about Simon. Now he has positioned himself for the blessings of God. You saw the life of Simon every stage. Simon Peter. You saw his life. He later walked on water. God just, the blessings kept coming. He was lifted from where he was all the way down, all the way up. Praise God. We need a walk in obedience. Jesus Christ is a good example. Philippians 2, 5 to 9. Consider the example that Jesus, the anointed one, has said before us. Let this mindset become your motivation. He existed in the form of God, yet he gave no thought to seizing equality with God as his supreme prize. Instead, he emptied himself of his outward glory by reducing himself to the form of a lowly servant. He humbled himself and became vulnerable choosing to be revealed as a man and was obedient. He was perfect example. Even in his death, he died a criminal's death by crucifixion. Because of that obedience, guess what? God exalted him and multiplied his greatness. The Bible says he has now been given the greatest of all names. Obedience. When you humble yourself, God knows how to lift you up. Praise the Lord. And we are called to a life of obedience in the faith. We need to take on the mind of Christ and follow his example of obedience to the will of the Father in our marriages, our marriage relationship, our family relationship. Jesus did not want to face death. Remember on that cross, he cried, if this is possible, Lord, let this cup be taken away from me. He was asking if there's another way out. But at the end of the day, he said, nevertheless, let your will be done. Worst of all, he didn't want that particular time when his father will turn his back on him because he bore the sins of the whole world. But yet, he did it, praise the Lord, because he loved his father. Let's see what he said in John 14, 31. But Satan is coming, and I do as the Father has commanded. I do as the Father has commanded me. Did you hear that? So that the world may know, be convinced that I love the Father, and that I do only what the Father has instructed me to do. I act in full agreement with his orders. Rise. Let's go away from here. Praise the Lord. So you can see the motive of Jesus. What was his motive for be obeying his father? Love. So that the world, that the world will know. 
we see a demonstration of a perfect, perfect example of obedience. Amen. This is the proof of Jesus' love for his father. What's yours? Praise the Lord. John 14, 15, he says, if you really love me, you will keep and obey my commandments. The TPT says, loving me empowers you to obey my commands. The more you love him, the more power you have to obey his commands. MSG said, if you love me, show it by doing what I've told you. Jesus calls us to full obedience to God. And our motivation, he has empowered us. As we go, you will see. He will never ask you to do what he has not empowered us to do. He doesn't do that. You can't, I can't ask my little granddaughter to go get me a bucket of water. I know she can do it. She's only one. God will never ask you to do something he has not empowered you to do. We'll see that as we go on. Praise the Lord. Our motivation for obedience should not be fear. It should be love. We obey God out of love like Jesus did here. Praise God. As believers of Christ, in Christ, we should follow the footsteps of the Lord. Like I said, you can't claim to love him if you're not obeying instructions and living in line with his godly principles about in marriage. That's a need for us to work. Disobedience can cut one off from the blessings of God. Let's look at the story of Saul. 1 Samuel 15, 17. ERV. Samuel said, in the past, you didn't think that you were important, but the Lord chose you to be the king. So you became the leader of the tribes of Israel. The Lord sent you on a special mission. He said, go and destroy all the Amalekites, the evil people. Destroy them all. Fight them until they are completely finished. So why didn't you listen to the Lord? You did what the Lord said is wrong because you wanted to keep what you took in battle. Saul said, but I did obey the Lord. I went where the Lord sent me. I destroyed all the Amalekites. I brought back only one, their king, Agag. And the soldiers took the best sheep and cattle to sacrifice to the Lord, their God at Gilgal. But Samuel answered, I know some of us are like that, compromise. God said this, you did it, but you feel you know better than God. Samuel answered, which pleases the Lord more, burnt offerings and sacrifices or obeying his commands? It's better to obey the Lord than to offer sacrifices to him. It's better to listen to him than to offer the fat from rams. Refusing to obey is as bad as the sin of sorcery. Being stubborn and doing what you want is like the sin of worshiping idols. You refuse to obey the Lord's command, so he now refuses to accept you. That's the end. You refuse to obey. Then Saul said to Samuel, I have sinned. I did not obey the Lord's command, and I did not do what you told me. I was afraid of the people. You are afraid of the people? The Bible says, should we obey men rather than God? He was obeying men rather than God. He said, I did what they said. Some of us still out of the fear of people. Like I was saying some time ago in our praise and worship, you can't even clap. You can't jump. You can't dance unto the Lord for fear that people will castigate you. Then he now asking Samuel, please come back with me so I may worship the Lord. You know, it's an honor for Samuel to be with there, there with him when he worshiped the Lord. Samuel said, I won't go back with you. You rejected the Lord's command, and now the Lord rejects you as king of Israel. Obedience, the beauty of obedience. So God gave Saul clear-cut instructions. 
he made his choice. He decided to keep the agag. Some of us are still keeping all the agars and all those fatty rams. Instead of doing what God said, you want to tell your husband that you're the boss. You make all the money. You call the shots. And this man is trying to tell the wife, I am the man. I married you with my wife, my money, you're my possession. Incomplete obedience. You obey in one area. You don't obey in the other area. You obey where suits you and disobey where doesn't suit you. We need to obey God with our words, with our actions, with our everything. Obey him. God is after our obedience, not after our sacrifices. And so I'm putting this question to husbands and wives. In which way are you compromising in your marriage? Parents, in which way are you compromising in the family? In which way what are you keeping to a gag in that relationship? Are you holding on to those rams, fatty ones, to sacrifice them? What, in which way are you compromising in your relationship as a wife, as a husband? Are you trying, praying to carry out your responsibility, God-given responsibility as a father, as a husband to that wife, as a wife to that husband? Marriage is a blessing from God. Adam received a wife. He never asked for one. Though Adam was sinless, a perfect man, but God still said, looked at Adam and said, it is not good. It is not good that this man should be alone. And so it is not good for man to be alone. That is the first not good in the creation. That we saw everything he said was good. But after Adam, he said it wasn't good. The first verdict of not good. But guess what? After the creation of Eve, so God gave you as a, for a purpose to your husband. After the creation of Eve, at the end of the creation, the first verdict again of very good came up. Let's look at Genesis 1.31. And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. That was after he made Adam. Remember, the first one was not good. It's not good for the man to be alone. I didn't read it. Genesis 2.18 says, Now the Lord God said, It is not good, beneficial for the man to be alone. I will make him a helper, one who balances him, a counterpart who is suitable and complementary for him. At the end of creation now, after he has now made Eve, the verdict now turned to very good. So God himself gave away the first bride. He officiated in that wedding. And he is also a witness to your marriage vows. God esteems marriage very highly. And so must you. He calls marriage a covenant. And God is a covenant keeper. And therefore expects us to keep our own marriage vows which is our covenant. Malachi 2, 11 to 16. It's going to be, I'm going to be fast. So Judah has been faithless. You listen as I'm reading this. I want you to listen and see what God is saying to you. Judah has been faithless and dealt treacherously. And an abomination has been committed in Israel and in Jerusalem. For Judah, that is Jewish men, has profaned this holy sanctuary of the Lord which he loves, and has married the daughter of a foreign god, having divorced his Jewish wife. Be careful with getting unequally yoked. Young ones, be careful. The Lord will cast out, or will cast out of the tents of Jacob to the last man, those who do this evil thing. 
the master and the servant or the people alike, even him who brings an offering to the Lord of hosts. He doesn't care about your offering. Obey. Obedience is better than sacrifice. And this you do with double guilt. God says you do this with double guilt. You cover. I want you to listen to this one and see what I'm trying to bring out. You cover the altar of the Lord with tears. He said you cover it, you men. Shed by your unfair, unoffending wives. This tear, he said, you cover it, you man. Uh, but this tears, he said, you covered, is shed by your unoffending wives. The woman shares the tear. He said, you share that tear. Your offending wife, divorced by you, that you might take hidden wives. And with your own weeping and crying out, because the Lord does not regard your offering anymore, I accept it with favor at your hand. Yet you ask, what does, why does he reject it? And God says, what? Because the Lord was witness, he's talking to you now, wife, husband. The Lord, because the Lord was witness to the covenant made at your marriage between you and the wife of your youth, against whom you have dealt treacherously and to whom you were faithless. Yes, she's your companion and the wife of your covenant made by your marriage vows. Some of them will ask me, how come marriage is a covenant? You hear it now. Those vows you made, God said it's a covenant. And did not God make you and your wife one flesh? Did not one make, that is why when she was crying with her tears, he said, you the husband are covering, two of you are one. He said, when your wife is crying, those tears, say your covering is altered with your tears. Why did God make you two? One. Because he sought a godly offspring from your union. Therefore, take it to yourselves and let no one deal treacherously and be faithless to the wife of his youth. For the Lord, the God of Israel says, I hate divorce. As you're going into your marriage relationship, please understand this. That's why we ask them when they come for pre-marriage counseling, do you commit to a Christian marriage? Part of it is what? One husband, one wife, male and female, no divorce. If you don't commit to Christian marriage, what we're teaching is all about what the Word of God says. The Bible, we believe in it from Genesis to Revelation. That's what we're using now to cancel you. If you're not committed to a Christian marriage, tell us now. So we back out. And they commit to it. Says the Lord, the God of Israel, says, I hate divorce and marital separation. And him who covers his garment, his wife, with violence. And I was asking, how can I cover? He covers his garment. Then he says his wife. You think about it with violence. Therefore, keep a watch upon your spirit. Watch your spirit that it may be controlled by the spirit of God, by my spirit, that you deal not treacherously and faithlessly with your marriage mates. So we need to watch it in our relationships. Who are we obeying? You are the new creation. You are recreated. You have a recreated spirit. You are to live by the law of love. We know only one law, the new creation. That is love and complete obedience, not partial or reluctant. The love God is talking about is what agape love, his own kind of love. He created marriage. He instituted it. He knows the tools that will make it work. He gave you that tool, agape love. Agape love is sacrificial, it's unconditional, it's not based on giving them love when they are getting it right and then giving them hate when they are not getting it. No, 
God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So also is the love of God for us. It's eternal. But we base our relationships, your marriage, your family relationship, your relationship with other brethren on how are they get, if they treat you bad, do me, I do you bad. God, no go vex. That is not what it is. Praise the Lord. It's not they do me, I do you bad. No. It's love. It's the determination of the, your will. You determine to continue to love because God says to love. You love God. And the agape love is the only thing that we work in our marriages. Unconditional love. Not loving because your wife did something great last night. She gave, cooked a good meal yesterday because your husband bought you a new car. Because your husband is dancing. No. It's just, just evolution. Something you determine. Because he says so. God help me. Spirit of the living God help me to so do to my spouse. And that is why marriages have problems. Because we used our own tools. Selfish love of man. Our own love is just a selfish one. It's all about, about self. But the kind of love that God sent abroad in our hearts for you to apply in your marriages is the God's kind of love. Unconditional. Whether your daughter is getting it right or wrong. Whether your parents are getting it. Whether your spouse is getting it. To just, as the Spirit of God, to just keep loving like I said in our pre-marriage, you have to be committed to this obedience to God. The beauty of obedience is unconditional. Let's look at Romans 5, 8. It says, but God clearly shows and proves his own love for us by the Father. While we were sinners, Christ died for us. This is God's unconditional love for us. And you know what? You cannot give what you don't have. You need to accept it today. Receive the love of God so that you can give that love to your spouse, to your children, to your neighbors, to fellow sister or brother. Amen. Love your spouse even when they are getting it or when they are offensive in your own estimation. That is agape love. It is sacrificial. Ephesians 5.2 says we should walk continually in love. Value one another. Practice empathy. See things from their own perspective. And sometimes when you do that, the Holy Spirit opens your eyes. And you see that, oh, you're wrong. So eventually you were the one that was, was wrong. Just as Christ also loved you and gave himself for you. An offering and sacrifice to God. Slain for you so that it becomes a sweet fragrance. Let's look at John 14, 31. I think we read that before. Praise the Lord. So what is obedience? Obedience is doing what God says to do. And from that, um, John 14, 